Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Just by saying I don't have a voice, or I didn't uh, the last three days, I'm praying that I have enough voice to be able to talk today. I also can't hear very well. So, um, you know, this kind of thing today. My ears are plugged. Uh, if you see something going on or if you have a question, make sure you raise your hand because I'm not going to hear much. Um, but I want to I jump in. We started last week a series on the Holy Spirit. And I'm super excited about this, this series because I think it taps into um, a conversation that, that we often forget um, and, a, and a part of God that we often neglect. So last week I opened up here um, with this kind of illustration, this picture of if I, if I come to your birthday and I give you a gift and it's a gift bag and you dig in and you pull out a gift and you unwrap it and you're like, oh, I love it, it's perfect, it's just what I needed, it's more than enough, how, how did you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's because I know. And, and you start enjoying it, that's wonderful. But if you failed to see that there was more in the bottom of the bag, like a $500 gift card, and you're like, you know what, I just, I'm just going to take this and I'm going to go with it and I'm going to love it, and, and that's it. And then you kind of set the bag on the counter and you don't experience the rest of the gift. Last week we talked about that's how that's often our approach when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That when we come to find ourselves uh, in need of God, which we all are, we, uh, we find God the Father. We find Jesus the Son. And then we say, I, I want that. I'm going to open that up. I'm going to receive that gift. Thank you for giving that. But we fail often to recognize the gift that God has already given us, has already offered us in the Holy Spirit. The same time that he gives us Christ, he gives us the Spirit and we don't recognize it. So we started this conversation last week to say, we want to start disciplining ourselves not to say, God, would you give us more of the Spirit? Would you give us more of that? And instead say, God, would you help me give, me, give, give, me, give you more of me? I, I want to give you more of who I am. I want to open myself up to what you have already offered and take hold of the Spirit that is already present. We want to notice what God has already done. So last week we opened up and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is not just some kind of divine cosmic power, some force that God sends out that would fill us, that would empower us, though He does those things, He's not limited to those things. We said the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity, he is fully God. He has a mind. He has a will. He uh, makes decisions. He goes out. He pursues us. And last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit draws you to God, how He calls your name. He calls your name, and He is drawing you to God. He is a person. And like a relationship, the deeper we get into it, the more we understand about who the Spirit is. And like a diamond, with each turn of the diamond, we notice a different facet of beauty, a different face of beauty. And that's what we're trying to do in this series on the Spirit. So with each, with each little turn, my hope 
is that uh, you would have this moment of awe, of, not like, oh, that's cute, but like, oh, I'm dumbstruck again by who God is, by who the Spirit is. And um, I, I know that this week I have, I have found myself in awe, um, preparing for this message. And it won't be creative, but I want to go through, I want to go through large uh, portions of the Bible and just say, let's take a look at this, and let's take a look at this, and let's take a look at this. Today we're going to see the Holy Spirit who is the life giver. The person of the Holy Spirit who offers life, who brings life, who delivers life. Um, in the coming weeks, we're going to see the Holy Spirit as the light bringer, the, the God who shines light in our dark places, in our shadows, who, who calls sin what it is, who actually gives us the gift of helping us see our sin so that we see our need uh, that he has already made a way to deal with. We're going to see him as light bringer, empower the Holy Spirit who fills us and empowers our work for him, that we could actually live fruitful lives following God and, and working for God, that he would empower us that way. We're going to see him that way. We're going to see him as advocate, as the God who is for us, as Emmanuel kind of on steroids, that uh, the Holy Spirit is not just God with us, but God who is in us. We're going to see the Holy Spirit as guide and as comforter, as our transformer. And today we want to talk about the Holy Spirit as life bringer. So we pause for just a moment, and then I want to, I want to charge through um, a bunch of scripture and talk about the Spirit who brings life. Let's pray. Father, would you quiet us to hear your voice? Spirit, we want to be attentive to you. We want to hear from you. We are hungry for you, and we are thankful that you are here, that you are already at work, that you are already in us. Open our eyes and open our ears. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, very, very simple. This morning, the Spirit gives life. That's the main point. The Spirit gives life. And I want to talk about how He gives life physically, how He gives life spiritually, and how He will give life into the future. Um, so if we could bring up Psalm 104. We're going to take a look. Psalm 104 is this gorgeous psalm uh, looking at creation, looking at the created order of all that God has created and saying, I can't believe that he did all this, but I do believe that he did all this. And it, it's the God who creates and then fills boundaries and goes past boundaries and tells the water where it can go and where it can't go and gives breath to animals and everything that we see in the created order. Uh, God is the one who did it. And in Psalm 104, starting in verse 29, this incredible psalm of worship continues. And he says, when you hide your face, he's talking now about the created order, they, all the animals, everything that has been created, everything that has life. 
When you hide your face, God, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Right here is like, when God sends his spirit, creation happens. When God sends his spirit, the spirit is the, spirit is the one who is bringing life. The spirit is the one who is creating life, who is calling dust into a living, breathing thing. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one working out creation. Job 34, verses 14 and 15 says, If he, if God, should set his heart to it and gather himself, his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to the dust. So God is the source of life. Without God, there is no life. The Spirit breathes into us, and when He breathes out of us, we cease to exist here. Our, our physical life dies. We often have images of God creating from a distance. Like God speaks, and it's like this trajectory, and it's out there, and, but the Spirit is like hovering. The Spirit is flowing. The Spirit is going and creating, and in you, hovering over you right now as we speak, the Spirit is keeping you alive. You think about that. The Spirit of God, if He withdrew from you right now in this moment, your life would end. We talk about people who breathe their last breath. God takes away their breath. Their life here ends. Now, here's one of those moments of awe. And I'm reminded again in preparing this message that the word spirit in the Bible can also be translated breath. In both the Hebrew, ruach, and the Greek in the New Testament, pneuma, both of those words for spirit can be translated breath. And so it's almost interchangeable, the spirit of God and the breath of God. And so this, this is incredible to me. You open up Genesis 1, and you say, in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth, and you see the Spirit hovering, or the breath of God hovering. And he creates mankind out of the dust. And what does he do? He breathes into them the breath of life. And you can see when you start to get a picture of this language, the Spirit of God entering dust, and life happens. This is what happens in you. The Spirit of God enters you and He breathes life into you. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And Job 33, verse 4. Do we have that one? This is uh, Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry, often what happens is they have a couplet which means there's two statements that are very similar and they kind of repeat the same idea. So Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And you see that kind of interplay happening, the ruach of God, the breath of God created me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Your breathing 
is a reminder of the God who created you, of the God who loves you, and the Holy Spirit who has given you life and is keeping you alive. And so right now, just in this moment, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take five slow, deep breaths, inhale and exhale, as a reminder of the Holy Spirit right now with you. Holy Spirit is life. Without Him, we are not alive. And He is here right now in our breathing. The Holy Spirit is life giver. And He isn't done there. His work as life giver shows up in the conception of Jesus. In Matthew 1, in the start of the birth narrative after the genealogy with traces back Jesus' ancestry. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This is this word pneuma, the holy breath. The Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the Holy Spirit is active in the conception of Jesus, that we have Emmanuel, we have God with us, because the Holy Spirit implanted that in Mary and brought life to her womb. And Jesus got off his throne and came here through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is born, and he grows up, and he enters ministry. And how does he begin his ministry? In Luke 4, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and it's the same word. So the spirit that breathed into Mary, that brought her to life, the spirit that breathed into her womb is the same spirit that is with Jesus, is upon Jesus as he begins his ministry. And he says, this is what the spirit is doing. It's freedom and it's liberty and it's healing. This is what I am bringing in the power of the spirit. It's all over the ministry of Jesus. And when you start to see the Holy Spirit as life giver, it doesn't require much imagination to to picture him insanely present, to picture the Holy Spirit insanely present at Lazarus' tomb. When Jesus goes and he finds his friend dead and the sisters are weeping and Jesus himself weeps and Jesus says, Jesus speaks out, he breathes out, Lazarus, come out. And the the breath that had left Lazarus re-enters Lazarus, though he had been dead a number of days. 
life had left, the Holy Spirit re-enters and he comes back to life. It's incredible to me. We see the Holy Spirit giving life, giving breath, and we see him giving us life in Jesus and bringing life through the ministry of Jesus. And there's more than just physical life. It, he just, the Spirit keeps going. So one night, this religious leader, Nicodemus, has a conversation with Jesus, and he, he gets down in, in John 3.16, he says, Jesus, I know you're from God because these things you're doing, they, they just, it, it just smells like God in our midst. It's passing the eye test. I cannot, I can't refute it. But Jesus is not just willing to say, yep, isn't that great? Jesus says in John 3, starting in verse 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the, the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you know not where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we've, the, the term born again has lost its meaning in our culture. We, we throw the word born again out to say, I fit in a category. I ascribe to these ways of thinking. And uh, depending on which way you say it, you can either use it as a badge of honor or like, those are weirdos. I, I had a friend in my living room one time who was exploring Jesus and we're, we're walking through the Bible with him and he's like, yeah, those born-again Christians. And I was like, whoa, 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 I'm one. And I, and I don't think you can be a Christian without being born again. And Jesus himself started that conversation. Jesus was the first one to talk about being born again in this way. So it doesn't have to be this like category kind of meaning lost, I'm on this side. This is, I, I have been born again by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who, who, who breathed life into me is the one who breathes again in a spiritual sense into me. And my physical body came alive, and now my spirit comes alive in what he's doing. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about a spiritual reality. We're not just physical beings with the breath of life. We're spiritual beings in need of spiritual life. And this conversation leads to John 3.16, which may be the, the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son so that whoever believes should not perish. So our spiritual lives are perishing, and we don't have to stay that way. We believe in Jesus, and this is not just a I believe and I ascribe to these ideas, but I believe 
in, in everything of who I am, and I, I live it out. I put it into my life. It changes me. Anyone who believes shouldn't perish, but have eternal life. The Spirit, the Spirit can make your spirit come alive. The Holy Spirit can breathe life into your spirit. Without Him, our spirits are dead. God's love drove Him to send Jesus so that we could believe and we could receive life. Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, talks about this spiritual reality. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit. So this is the same word pneuma, the spirit, the breath that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, which is to say the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is not the only spirit out there. There is a spirit of this world. There is a spirit of darkness. There is a spirit in the sons of disobedience that want nothing to do with God. And you have to be careful to discern the spirits. To say, which voices am I listening to? Which ones will I, will I take hold of? Will I recognize in my life? Will I follow after? The spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We are dead in our spirit. And through what Christ did, through him dying in our place and rising again, our sins are forgiven and we can have life. And the spirit is the one who brings it. The spirit brings it. This is not something that we can generate. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit makes you new. The Holy Spirit is life bringer in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. He brought everything to life. He gave us Jesus. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, our sins are wiped away and through the Spirit, we are brought to life. And one day, one day, as our physical bodies kind of move toward death, and some of us pass on, Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What that says is one day, one day we will experience the resurrection ourselves. In the same way that Jesus died on our behalf, went into the grave, went into the tomb, and was brought back to life with a new resurrection body, 
regenerated, renewed, no longer, no longer tarnished by this, by this uh, sinful world. Bodies that are falling apart. Jesus had a resurrection body that was perfected. And this says one day we will experience this as well. That heaven is not just a place like I thought uh, as a kid. That we're a bunch of spirits floating around. And like I want to fly over to Mars and then I want to come back and do a fishing trip. And then I'll just, you know, like whatever. We're not like little ghosts flying around in heaven. That one day we experience a resurrection of a perfected body and a whole spirit that is in unison again. And who does it? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has brought life, offers life, when you accepted Jesus, filled you with life, and one day we will live in glory in the presence of God with a perfected, with a perfected spirit and body together in total integrity. And the Spirit of God is going to do this. Do you want this? In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit pours himself out on those first apostles at uh, Pentecost, it got a little weird. And people are like, are they drunk? Like, nah, this is something much, much, much deeper going on here. And Peter stands up in the power of the Spirit, recognizing what is at work. And he kind of goes through play by play who Jesus was, what Jesus did, the cost of our sin, and, and how we put Jesus to death. And he says, you did it. And the crowd there says, what do we do with that? And I think Peter's answer to them is the same answer to us today. Peter says, repent and be baptized. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that Peter talks about that are kind of on us. He says, if you want this, you repent. Watchman Nee describes this repentance like this. Watchman Nee is this uh, Chinese Christian um, and classic writer in the Christian world of faith. He describes repentance like this, which I think is uh, super rich. He says, repentance, which means a change of mind. Formerly, I thought sin a pleasant thing, but now I have changed my mind about it. Formerly, I thought the world an attractive place, but now I know better that we keep our eyes set on a far country. Formerly, I regarded it as miserable business to be a Christian, but now I think it differently. Once I thought certain things delightful, and now I think them vile. Once I thought other things utterly worthless, and now I think them most precious. Nee says, that is a change of mind. That is repentance. No life can be truly changed apart from such a change of mind. 
what I once loved, I now reject to take hold of a love that calls my name. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Baptism is this outward expression of an inward faith that says when I change my mind, when I start to desire the things of God over the things of this world, when I put my trust and faith in Jesus, I'm baptized, and that is an outward expression of what has already happened in me, what the life that he has already brought. Have you shared your faith publicly? It doesn't mean you have to get up on a soapbox. It doesn't mean you have to get up on a platform and declare it like at the farmer's market or a big crowd or whatever. Have you told someone about your love for Jesus? Have you expressed it? That's why I love baptism. I love baptism for people who are saying, I was dead and now I'm alive. I have no spiritual breath in me and he has given me life. Peter says, this inward repentance and outward expression of your faith, he says, you will receive forgiveness of sins. You will receive forgiveness of sins. And I think that's part of the present that we open. But then he says, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the part of the present that we often fail to see. He said, you'll receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift has been offered. If you are in Christ, the gift has been given. If you have been brought to life in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But if you have given your life to Christ and you have failed to recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life up until this point, you don't need to ask God to give you the Spirit. He has already given it to you. He has already given it to you. And so, I love this. This is a point for me of, ah, you can turn your prayer, your petition, your request for that God would give you the Holy Spirit into praise that he already has. If you are in Christ, you don't have to ask for the Spirit. You can turn your request for the Spirit into praise that he has already given it. The work has already been done and the life in the Spirit has already been offered, has already been given. Watchman Nee says this, is when you cease to plead with the Lord to pour out his Spirit upon you, and when instead you trustfully praise him that the Spirit has been poured out, you will find that your problem has been solved. Praise God. No single child of his need agonize, nor even wait for the Spirit to be given. Jesus is not going to be made Lord. He is Lord. Therefore, I am not going to receive the Spirit. I have received the Spirit. When our eyes are open to the see that the Spirit has already been poured out, then prayer turns to praise in our hearts. So 
So the gift is there. What will you do with it? We're going to move into a time of communion where we get to reflect on who Jesus is, how he lived, what he gave so that our sins could be forgiven and the life that he offers us in the spirit, the life that he has, if you are in him, has already given you in the spirit. And so communion is a picture of both great sorrow and gratitude at the cost, but also great joy and celebration of what has been given. We're going to move into a time of communion and a time of worship and a time of prayer. If you need to pray with somebody, if you want to meet them back there to say, I, I just need to pray. I need to talk with them, pray with them. And I would call you, as we close out this morning, to enter into a spirit of worship, not asking for more of the Spirit, but praising God because of the Spirit who brings life. May we recognize the Spirit as life giver. May we be reminded with each breath of the physical life that he gives us. May we thank the Holy Spirit for giving us the life of Jesus. May we see our deep need for spiritual life that the Holy Spirit offers. And may we experience the life-giving relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen.